0: Hi, I'm Tasha Weeks. And I'm Kelly Guyton. Welcome to Cultural Yours Mental Health. We will discuss all things mental health for people of color.
1: Let's create our own narratives for our own experiences that affect us mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Be informed, be supported, be empowered. Hey everyone! Welcome back to Culture Yours Mental Health. On today's episode, we are going to dive a little bit deeper and talk about dysfunction and what that looks like. Um, So, dysfunction, according to the APA, American Psychological Association, is an impairment, disturbance, or deficiency in behavior or operation in daily tasks. So, it is like a, a breakdown or inability to complete your everyday to-do list, and it gets in the way of your everyday functioning. It's a disturbance in the way that you think, um, it's a disturbance in the way that you think, like your, the way you process your thoughts and the way you regulate your emotions. For example, if we are talking about grief and loss, right? There's the, the five stages of grief and loss. So if we're just thinking about anger and depression, Mm-hmm. Um, it'll show up, of course, you know, with depression, you're it's hard to get out of bed. Anybody knows when you are miss when you lost something that is really close to you or you lost someone that is really close to you, um, you do fall into this, this deep depression where it's a lot of crying. You don't want to get out of bed. Now you're missing work. Maybe you're not eating because you can't get out of bed. Um, there's also like anger is another stage of grief where um maybe you're more irritable now you're snapping at people, and normally you wouldn't be snapping at people, so that is um a dysfunction that is the disturbance in a way that you would normally interact with people. This isn't a disturbance in a way that you are performing your everyday activities
0: even you know even just you know describing that going through those stage of grief because grief can still look a little different for each person. Mm-hmm. Just even in your focus. You know, sometimes in grief, like you you may find yourself saying, I don't have time to grieve. And so you try to like still function, but not to the same capacity or quality. So like you know, you may have some memory lapses or you might have a burst of emotion that seemed like it came out of nowhere. That still can impact your daily tasks and your ability to to get them done and to think a certain way to, as, as the definition talks about regulate your emotions.
1: Mm-hmm. Because yeah, we do have um, some people who, who are the complete opposite of I'm going to stay in bed and we have those who are, I'm going to overwork myself because I don't want to, um, I don't want to deal with my grief. Or I don't have time. <laughs> right. Um, and so, and that, that's still, I would still deem that as a, as a dysfunctional um, part of your life, because this is not your norm. You are not normally overworking yourself and powering through. Right,
0: right. Something to, to, to keep in mind about what can be considered
1: in um, a dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, another example is with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, let's keep it something easy, like a car accident. So I was in a very bad car accident a few years back. Um, Some young guy ran a stop sign, T-boned me, sent me into opposite traffic where I um, went head on with another car. We both ended up in a light pole, right? Mm -hmm. Terrible car accident. Um, Grace of God, I was not harmed um, very badly. I I got two bad knees now, but no, thankfully no surgery or anything like that. But after that car accident... I didn't buy another car because uh, my car was totaled. And, you know, I, I got a check for it and everything, but I didn't want another car. I was just like, you know what? It's not even worth it. I don't want to get into another car accident. Um, after that, even if someone else is driving, I'm in a car. Anytime we're at a stop sign, I got very, like, nervous and just, and I actually started avoiding certain intersections too. Um, And so that is a dysfunction because now I am doing things out of my everyday norm. I am being avoidant. I am feeling uncomfortable in a car, whether I'm in the passenger seat or the driver's seat.
0: And you avoided buying a whole new
1: car. I avoided buying a whole new car for years at that.
0: Yeah. And And that can change how you get your daily tasks done, especially if you're used to driving your car and getting things done a certain way, that type of avoidance changes everything else. It has this domino effect.
1: It does. And actually, like, even with you mentioning that, I remember um, because I was living in Brooklyn at the time, and my daughter was like, she was probably about three or four, and thankfully she wasn't in the car with me. And she was like, but mommy, if we don't have another car, how are we going to get around? Because all she knew was us having a car. And I'm like, girl, we're getting on a bus. We're getting on a train we'll be all right, but it did trickle down to her. And and of course, you know, driving, um, not driving, um, riding public transportation, it it wasn't like a big deal, but it just wasn't my daughter's norm because she didn't know anything but being in our car.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that kind of that that kind of makes me think about, you know, how that can affect the family unit because did she know that you were in a car accident? Cause you tell it's like, Oh, we'll be fine. We'll find other ways. So you're creating like this new norm. Like it's like, it's okay. But what she mm-hmm. does, not she's young. She's not going to know, but what she, one thing she's not knowing is mommy's is avoiding hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> mommy's afraid, <laughs> you know? And, you know, to her young eyes, it must be a very different experience of like one minute we have a car next minute we don't. And what that, public transportation experience could have been like for her. I remember when I first took the public transportation as a kid, not that young, but it was most certainly an experience and continued to be an experience that I will never forget, mm-hmm. you know, versus being in the car where you feel safe and secure with someone that you know, versus being on a public transportation surrounded by all types of characters and not knowing what can what can happen. Right, exactly it's a, it can be a very different experience. And, you know, that also makes me think about another type of dysfunctionality, you know, family dysfunctional, Mm -hmm. you know, and according to, you know, APA, it's a family where relationships or communication is impaired and members are not able to obtain closeness and and be able to self-express. Okay. Um, So the people in the family, you know, in a dysfunctional family can develop symptomatic behaviors and can often um, one, you know, one individual in the family will present as the identifiable patient. Okay. So uh, another example that comes to mind is maybe like combative communication. Let's say a certain family member is um, witnessing and experiencing combative and argumentative communication, you know, uh, within their family. Okay. That can really make the person either pick up how to talk to one another. And even if they do want to say something, they can feel like they're not being heard and confused. Think about how when we're not feeling heard, we either start yelling really, really, really loud or mm-hmm. we shut
1: down. Yeah, that also, like, it makes me think of how that shows up in, like, um, personal relationships um, because I I often hear that I don't want to say anything because it's going to turn into an argument. and And that's before even giving this person a chance to have the conversation with them, but they automatically see it as this is going to be an argument instead of let's communicate and express how we feel and, you know, solve this issue because they've never actually seen that.
0: Right. You know, and, you know, even, you know, as clinicians, we, we some of us immediately want to think, you know, cognitive kind of distortions, but one of the thoughts that comes to mind is communication style. So it can lead to like a passive or passive aggressive communication. So to be clear, you guys, you know, like, there are different types of communication styles, but some of the most basic ones is, you know, passive, you know, where, you know, what, what, Tosh, what you were just talking about, where it's, it's basically it Like, you mm-hmm. make a lot of eye contact, you know, you're more quiet, you may seeming seemingly shutting down.
1: Yeah, oft- often just
0: brushing things off and letting it go and, mm-hmm. you know. And then there's like the passive aggressive or AKA being petty, (laughs) 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 you know, when you make those side comments underneath your breath. Or you start kind of like behaviorally pulling back and not doing certain things like, oh, well, since he said something two days ago to upset me, you know, I'm just not going to cook kind of thing. And then yeah, we see that a lot. It's like this back and forth of just, you know, it's avoidance and it's still passive, but it's passive aggressive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so it's your,
1: you're punishing. It's almost like you're punishing someone through your behavior um, or words and they're and you're not even being direct about it. Right and now, so now they're guessing like, what is this? What is this about? Because you know, right. sometimes people will notice. I'm like, she's not cooking tonight. What's going on? Like, I don't, I don't know. And it leads a person to start doing all kinds of
0: assumptions, which leads to an argument. Mm-hmm. And people don't know that there are. They may be doing this, but oftentimes, if you're coming from a dysfunctional family, you can, you know, end up recreating that environment because it's what you're used to. Make it healthy, but it can be what you're used to. And it can, you know, leave a lot of things open that aren't, that are not um, healthy. And so, you know, then there's the other side of the type of, a, of communication where things can become very aggressive, you know, um, very loud and, and very posturous, you know, body language and, you know, things like that, which can be combative and contribute to a hostile or a
1: dysfunctional um, environment. Okay, yeah, so and that, used to it. Yeah, that also comes with like name calling,
0: mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that
1: you're you're calling somebody out your name, but it can also mean like, um, why are you why are you being this way? What's 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 a good like descriptive word? You know, you would hear like in arguments. Um, because I don't I don't want to go straight to the b word because you know that comes up like oh you're being a bitch. Well, it's I, yeah, I I've yeah, got yeah. of words that come
0: to mind. Like, why are you always being so argumentative? Why are you like you're such a liar? You're controlling, or yes. you're, um, or you're always nagging me, or you're always getting on me. You know things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also tone. You know, that's 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 a big part of when it comes to mm-hmm. aggressive communication. A lot of tone. You know, um, you know, uh, and I'm thinking about even like from from parents to to kids. You know, you know the things that can be said. That it can be really hurtful. He's like, "Oh, you you know, you you, you never listen to me." He's like, "You're not you're not a very good listener," things like that. You know, just putting these things in. And there's other ways to communicate. And no one's you know an ideal communicator. But that's what sitting down and coming back to it and talking about it when we're calm. That's part of that mm-hmm. communication and problem solving, which doesn't get taught in a dysfunctional family. Yeah. It's a blowout, and then nothing happened, and then we move on. But then the person. Really? feelings.
1: Yeah. One thing that I, like when I'm working with parents, um, especially parents that are, have children with like ADHD or anxiety or depression, um, though they often call their children like lazy or they're rude or they're disrespectful. And I have to like Mm -hmm. really start retraining their, their brains and the words that they use when describing their children, their behavior, because when you're talking to people and about people in this way, it's, it's, it, it starts like a lot of internalizing and that can just cause a whole nother set of issues. It really can. And then
0: the individual might starting, start labeling themselves that way, which again leads right back to that passive communication of saying, well, you know, I don't wanna seem disrespectful so I didn't say anything. But that person has an, un, un, um, an unmet need as a result. You know, so learning how to communicate in an assertive manner in a healthy way. And, and it can get tricky if you're trying to do this with someone that does not understand that and may not be um, as receptive. They can maybe, again, misunderstand. But it's still important to try to communicate um, in an assertive manner. So assertive can, doesn't mean aggressive. And that, t- that tends to get confused mm-hmm. really quickly, you know, um, you know, like if I was to sit here and say, um, you know, that was really hurtful. Uh, I know I don't really call myself that. I really wish you wouldn't call me that. You know, can't you like, or, you know, can you find another way of saying that? Now I know we don't all don't say that verbatim, but some something thereabouts, about that's being more assertive. Or if we're talking about, let's say, in a work environment, okay, when you're talking to your supervisor, you know, and expressing like when you give me these multiple tasks, I actually feel really overwhelmed. Is there a way we can figure out how to break these tasks down or, you know, delegate these tasks? Cause I'm, I, I really want to get this done. That's advocating av- advocating, and, and taking a problem solving approach versus saying they're my superior. I have to do everything, even though I'm overwhelmed. And the way they talk to me is actually not helpful.
1: What I also liked what you, what you just did too, is you used I statements. Um, so in s- assertive communication, you want to use I statements um, when expressing your own feelings. Um, it's also, you know, being respectful and you want to sh- be confident in what you're saying.
0: Right, right, right. Um, and being willing to to be flexible and think about other ways to approach it, you know, and mm-hmm. trying to get your needs met because it's, it's not a one size fit all those I statements are really important because when you start to throw in the use, it starts to sound very accusatory. And it is, it mm-hmm. can It can't, And they'll get defensive. Mm-hmm. And then you're right back in that cycle of that, you know, combative communication, which is not effective and not helpful. And they can leave both people feeling unheard and more frustrated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, when you're using those I statements, you're communicating what you have gone on much more effectively. And I want to be clear, you know, When you find a good communication style, the healthy communication style, it does not guarantee your outcome. Okay. It can lessen the combative interaction though.
1: Yeah. We we don't have control over how people respond. Mm -hmm. Uh, We only have control over ourselves. And we aren't also, we're not responsible for how sometimes people respond. Cause if you know you're responding, well, you're, you're interacting, you're communicating in a healthy way um, and you're doing all that you can to, to be respectful while being assertive and it's still just not um, being received in a healthy way, then it's just, okay, like, this say this is not me, all right, because I've, I've done the work, I've understood the assignment and it's still not being received. So now your partner, um, your other family member, your coworker, they has to start doing the work too.
0: Right. And, and that's that's when you can definitely take that step back or start thinking about other ways to get your needs met in a much more appropriate way. You know, it can really help you understand, you know, and be more, um, I like to use the word intentional about the company that you want to keep. Okay. You can definitely be more selective and what's going to be more conducive for your for your own well-being. You know, and work can be difficult because not everybody at work is going to suddenly like, oh, okay, now that she communicated well, then, m- then it must be on me. So let me go to therapy. And do my <laughs> <work."> <laughs> no, it just means that you know, my one of my favorite terms, radical acceptance, just means like, all right, so I did my part. This is how this person is, and now I have to learn how to communicate in a way that's not going to add fuel to the flames.
1: Yeah, what you don't want to do is feed into their dysfunction. Right. It's just right. because this person that you're interacting with is dysfunctional doesn't mean you have to be dysfunctional with them.
0: Right. Right. And, and and that can be, it can be a really tough thing to do, especially if it's family and you're trying to, you know, again, part of that, you know, dysfunctionality is a hard time maintaining that connection. That's when those boundaries kick in. That's when you have to really, you know, take a step back and be, be selective. You know, um, you know, if a person really wants to maintain a connection with their parent or, or uncle or or grandparent, you know, and that grandparent is just, uh, we'll go with the term stuck in their ways. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, and you're like, I don't understand. Like, can't they see that it doesn't work and that all of this is happening? I was like, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but what we do know is that you can't control it, you know? And so then, you know, getting um, creative and how you're going to interact with them and not feed into it. So let's say instead of saying yes to everything, you're saying, look, um, let me check back with you. And I can do that on Tuesday. And that's just how I just set that boundary. This is yeah. what I, can do and this is for how long, and this is what I can do. And except that, you know, that pushback is going to be a part of the norm. But, you know, I really want to point out whenever you are coming from a dysfunctional situation and it, it has been your norm for a long time, and you start to realize that that dysfunctionality is now doing you a disservice and you're making a change, it can have an impact on your other relationships.
1: Man, listen, because, and this is this is why, right? I'm so glad you said that, Kelly, because when you are, because everyone in the family has a role. Right. And when you step out of your role within this dysfunctional family, it's going to cause a lot of pushback. It's right. going to be chaos. Exactly. They're not going to like it. This is not our norm for our family. And now all of a sudden now you're this healthy individual, but now you're the black sheep. You're this healthy individual, but now you are, seems like the outsider. You're the person who's just like, you're the one that's causing all the dysfunction. And actually, actually you're
0: not. You're not. No. And Tasha, you, you you pulled the words right out of my mouth of what I was just about to say, you know, and that's when that name calling to kick in. It can be hurtful because these are people you care about Mm -hmm. and they're just not understanding the changes that you're making for you. So again, that's when maybe some of that self doubt can kick in. It's not, it's not, it's not you. (laughs) That's what happens when you make a change around a situation that can be considered normal. You know, it's like, oh, you think you're better than us now? Like, are you too good for us? Or like, you know, the whole let's ride my coattail. Okay. Mm -hmm. It can actually start to go, you know, can can have a person co-switch within their own family. Yeah. You know,
1: just to have to, you know, weather it to tolerate it. Yeah, because now you you feel like you being yourself and you being your best self is causing problems for everybody else. So now you have to water down or hide and pretend to to pretend to be like you're still dysfunctional, like everybody else, just so that way mm-hmm. you're keeping the peace in air quotes the peace, right? Um, there's so there's this episode of, of Power I was watching the other night, mm-hmm. and a uh, father was interacting with his son, and his fun his father was very very aggressive, um, in his body language, his tone, his voice, just loud, um, like he was to me, he was talking to him like he was some Next dude on the street, and but he was yelling at him for reading comic books and basically making him seem like, oh, you're a pussy for reading comic books. Like, why are you reading comic books? This mm-hmm. is why. This is why you getting your ass beat. You know, like, and he was like even egging him on to hit him.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the functional.
1: And the, his son just shut down, and you know, he put his head down. He wasn't saying anything. He wasn't responding. He just completely shut down. I'm just like, and that's real life. You know, like you see that out in, in the grocery store where the, the parent is overly aggressive and cursing and, and yelling at a child and the child just shuts down.
0: You know, and to them, you know, what a child ends up learning how to do, and, and I've seen it over and over again in in a lot of different ways where it it one of the outcomes, not the outcome, but one of the outcomes is that the child just learns how to hide it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like you were saying a moment ago, just keep the peace Mm -hmm. to not cause any upset and find other ways to be able to read or do what they, um, what they really want to do. Now, whether this is an appropriate behavior or inappropriate behavior, it definitely doesn't say, Hey, I'm approachable. Let's talk about this," (laughs) this kind of thing and, and, and see what's going on, you know, and how we can approach whatever it is that's happening,
1: Yeah,
0: you know, um, and, and and that and you're right Tasha this is a this is a real life thing you know that how a person ends up co-switching within their own family to keep the peace you know that that starts to translate later in other roles in their life whether they're in
1: um work or in other relationships so like imagine we're doing this from like from from the, the beginning like from childhood right we are deviating and straying away from who we are to seem like our behavior is app- appropriate depending on our environment you know depending if we're with our family if we're at school if we're at work and this can lead to dysfunction because it causes it causes you to to have and create these dysfunctions in your everyday life
0: mm-hmm. creating your creating your norm but you're not, you're not actually not feeling great. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the phrases that I hear often, whether it's from young adults or older adults is um, well, I've been doing this for so long. Well, <laughs> that doesn't make it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Well, then it's been a long time of a dysfunction or a, of a problem and started noticing those patterns. Um, and, and so it, it does start to kind of, what's the word, like kind of gloss over, you know, and gets easily missed and
1: dismissed. It does. It does. And I can, I can see how that happens because it's, it's been your norm and because it's something that you've always seen and you don't realize that it, that it is dysfunctional till other people start pointing it out to you. Mm -hmm. You And hopefully you have people in your life who are, who love and care about you enough to Pointed out to you in a in a loving way because I know sometimes that can be hard as well, right? And that you're able to be in a space in a place to receive that this person is trying to help me, and I don't have to be defensive,
0: right? And it could be hard to hear that. It could be hard to hear that what you've been experiencing for a long time from childhood is actually not okay, you know, and not helpful. Um, and even on on the alternative side, when it comes to to culture, you know mm-hmm. about what's considered um, deviant and, and dysfunctional, deviant and dysfunctional, you know, um, you know, I can think of a time where if you want to think about how culture can be misconstrued if it's not observed through the right cultural lens, basically. Yeah. so one of the things that first comes to mind,, um, you know, there's there's this stigma of you know Irish' Irish culture of of being alcoholics. and amongst their culture, it's a very norm. you know, if you were to go to Ireland and you know they drink at a very early age and that in that culture country and a part of that culture. But if you bring that here to the Western culture or to America and to you know um, a suburban family of alcoholism, it's a it's a problem, you know, and, and how that's seen. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh well, that's that's uh, that's a deviant from the norm, and it's dysfunction. But you take that to another culture, to Irish culture, and it's a norm. Right. Let's say that 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 person that identifies Irish is three generations in and is trying to exist in another culture. That that can be quite a conflict. But again, looking through
1: the cultural lens, it also um, so it reminds me of this video I've seen. Um, circulating on social media, mm. and it's a Navajo family, and they what they do is they perform like babies' s- first snow bathing, right? And so what they do is they take they'll take their baby, it's the, you know their baby's first time experiencing snow, and they'll take their baby outside, regardless of the age, and they'll do like a snow bathing while the baby's just like in a pamper or something, and this is like a traditional thing. Of course the baby's not harmed. It's just like a little snow dip. Everyone goes back inside. To me, it's like no big deal. No baby was harmed for real in this in this snow bathing. Um, but just like people who aren't very knowledgeable or aware or confident when it comes to other cultures, it's just like they were just going in like this was just straight child abuse and call CPS, you know? And I think people have to be more careful with what they share on social media. And even though I do understand that they do want to share their culture and the norm of it and the tradition of it, how much they love their culture. Um, but it can definitely be misconstrued from other cultural lenses.
0: Not just misconstrued. I think, you know, I think that goes both ways. You know, you can be careful on what you share about your own culture, but also remembering that your culture is not the only culture that exists on this planet. Mm-hmm. It's the other way around, too, you know, um, and what's considered a cultural norm, you know, and not a deviant or a dysfunction. That is through that, through that cultural lens, that is their norm and how they behave. And if you take that behavior to another society, another culture, it's, it can be considered something else. Right. (laughs) How, you know, an individual will dress or wear their hair or how they communicate you know, um, for example, especially when it comes to spirit, spirituality, you know, if you are, um, you know, Navajo Indians, you know, are very connected to, you know, the elements and to the earth and, and, to, and to, to nature, you know, and when they are, when the indiv- any person that has that foundational belief or just practice that that spiritual belief, and they are trying to figure something out and they talk about how their spirits and the spirit guides or whatever, you know, is speaking to them or through them, but someone of a different faith or different culture can say, well, no, then something must be wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not normal. Well, that's a different cultural lens. You know, if you're looking through your own cultural lens, then yes, you can misidentify and mislabel. That can cause harm. That can cause some real yes. harm. Again, when, when, it, when there is a dysfunctionality taking place within another culture or spirituality, it can cause a person to have a hard time expressing. If that individual, if, if, you know, is saying that what they're experiencing is bad, they're not going to want to keep talking or I want to keep open up. But they think can feel isolated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So remember like your culture is not the only one that exists. Your faith, your, your, your practice is not the only one that exists. You know, and so when you're thinking about what's dysfunctional and what's deviant, you know, take that into into mind of the cultural lens,
1: right? Even and, and even try to like take it in as a learning experience.
0: Hmm. Even for yourself, even for yourself, if you're thinking about your own culture before you're judging yourself, what's normal, what's abnormal, and what's dysfunctional. You know, you may see it within your own cultural lens how it that your family have deviated from their cultural practices <laughs> to become more harmful. Like, you know, if we look yeah. to our cultural or, you know, roots and whatever it may be, then maybe we could be a little more cohesive family and what that looks like. But taking that into consideration before you're judging yourself or, or judging other people, you know, what is dysfunctional and what is deviant and what you're comparing it to. Because, you know, comparison is pretty powerful.
1: Mm-hmm, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So... Just remember that when you are viewing or experiencing dysfunctioning with yourself or with somebody that you care about, someone that you're close to, that it is literally breaking down um, the way that you think and process information. It is a disturbance of your own everyday behaviors. Um, It is not your norm. Um, and it can, it can be viewed as an impairment, um, to your, your everyday functioning.
0: Right. Right. You know, really take that into consideration.
1: Mm-hmm. And it'll show up, um, in different aspects of your life. Not, not just one. You'll show up, um, within your families as we, we touched on plenty. it will show up at work, um, and show up in your, your personal relationships.
0: Mm-hmm. Wherever you are, it will show up.
1: Yes, so keep that in mind um, if you feel like you are having any mental health challenges and you notice that "Mm, I'm not being my, my everyday self. Okay, so until next episode, be informed, be supported, be empowered.